Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of A Dad and His PC. Thank you, everybody, for joining, and be sure to subscribe, leave a review wherever it is that you found the show. Also, make sure you go find our, our social media stuff, which is linked in the podcast description, and be sure to like, subscribe, comment, and interact with us there. Now, on last week's show, um, as has been tradition, um, with the shows that start kind of the first of the month, uh, uh, and major new releases were talked about, uh, you know, because we had some actual brand new, we had some really actual new stuff coming out this month. Uh, not reskins, not reboots, not ports. Uh, some actual new content that came out. Uh, we had uh, Gotham Knights. That's coming out in a few weeks. We have also Call of Duty getting their full, uh, the full game, full release for Modern Warfare 2. And then, of course, uh, Overwatch 2 came out at the beginning of the month. And so there's been a, a ton to, to cover there. Uh, back half of the show, talked about something that I think affects other people like me in my age range that happen to be people that play video games a lot. And kind of like the the decision fatigue that kind of kicks in and you know when you have a full-time job and you have all these things you got to do and by the time you get to the point where you want to um, relax and you want to play games because games are so decision heavy right you end up um, not wanting to play and so um, I just want to talk about how that stuff was going and then this week's show, right? So today's show starts off with uh, really what's going on. Some new stories I thought were interesting and wanted to talk about. Uh, there's some great, uh, awesome reveals for tabletop fans and, and RP, uh, basically RPG fans, D&D fans, um, and EA game fans, whomever you are. And most of all, uh, the thing I wanted to cover the most, which I thought was, was both sad and hilarious, was the pit of death at TwitchCon. Um, now the bulk of the show, however, will be devoted to my hands on time with Warhammer three immortal empires. I finally got enough time in game, uh, basically time in game to have actual pros and cons and that kind of what I'm experiencing. And, and I kind of wanted to share that and, and others that like the, the game and the genre now, uh, with that said, we'll take a little short break and then when we come back. We'll get right into the news. All right, welcome back. Here we go. So let's get to the news. Uh, tabletop goes digital. All right, so a new digital marketplace is coming to PC owners. And I know what you're thinking. Another one. Why? Why are they doing this to us? They have enough of my money. Well, unlike this being the millionth video game marketplace in the world, this is instead for the D&D fan in your life who wants to play games with friends and others online without the need of someone having the materials or on hand at all times. Uh, Roll, which serves as both the name of the platform and its kind of main conceit, is bringing some of the most popular games to the masses online digitally, like Fallout, Dune, and Homeworld. According to their website, uh, what separates them uh, from others in the market is that it's the most intuitive and user-friendly system out there. Uh, we're talking fully drag-and-drop functionality, so that's awesome. Uh, it's a free app, which is great. You just need to buy the game materials. From there, it's make your choice uh, or make your choices and let the automation kind of take away all the fuss and all the worry. Uh, I thought the coolest feature from what I read is how much the rules can be customized. Uh, I know a lot of D&D folks are sticklers for the rules, and I understand that completely as someone who plays. But sometimes customization is just as much a part of the community as anything else. And, you know, we want to be able to adjust and have fun and, and make our changes and you know, you kind of want to play things for you and your friends. You you want the you want the session to be fun. You don't want it to just drag on. So that's a cool little trick. Uh, there's plenty of free quick start content available for those of you that are curious. But those of us already familiar with 
D&D 5th edition rules and, you know, the complex games like Fallout and Dune should also make their way over, you know. Uh, there's those completely new to the world. There's plenty for you as well. As of right now, based on the account that I have and have made and was able to see in their marketplace, I was able to claim two free games, uh, Cabin in the, I believe, Cabin in the Glade and Chrome, which uh, seems to be kind of like a special that they got going on as, as the for the new marketplace. Uh, and you can also play 5E and Homeworld Revela- Revelations for free with a quick start campaign. You can pretty much just jump in. Uh, the marketing information says they plan to release several games a month, basically into the next year and beyond. So head over to playroll.com and join the community. Download the app. If you are someone that likes to play tabletop D&D and are looking for a new way to do it with friends. Uh, next, my favorite uh, of new story, really. Uh, well, I say favorite, but this is the one that brings me the most joy. Origin is dead. Long live Origin. Speaking of marketplaces, of course, uh, my least favorite and most exhausting one not named Ubisoft Connect is finally dead and buried. Uh, Origin Launcher, the EA hub, is officially dead and the EA uh, app is its replacement and officially out of beta. Uh, EA promises this app to be the best they've ever produced, which, I mean, uh, that's not saying much. I mean... The uh, since once you open Origin, it's open and running in the background at high usage numbers until you manually exit the damn thing. I've had my computer not want to shut down simply because I forgot to exit out of Origin. Uh, but what's most important, based on the marketing literature, is the cross functionality with other marketplaces and systems and like uh, like consoles. Okay, so from the images they've put out on promotion and from what I've already seen from downloading it, it already looks way better than Origin, which is great. Uh, whether it functions better is another thing I've yet to see. I really, I currently don't have anything downloaded on my EA uh, account from my games. I kind of, uh, I've got my my hard drive space put elsewhere. Um, but when when I get to that point, and I'm ready to jump back into Mass Effect for the 700 millionth time. I'll be sure to figure out if it's pretty good. Uh, you can manually download the app and transfer the information, or wait for a transition from Origin. Uh, both have proven smooth and are welcome change in this world. Uh, for from my usage, it still has the same running in the background issue. But if that doesn't affect my shutdowns or or create a bunch of usage, then it's already a significantly better app. Uh, functionality has been pristine, and so that's a massive upgrade. I've had no problem browsing. I've had no problem moving around, searching all the stuff that you need to do generally within the marketplace. So that's awesome. Um, Last but not least, and the most random thing uh, from the news this week, the most dangerous thing in the world, apparently, is a foam pit, and only if it's at TwitchCon. Uh, Adriana Chechik, Twitch streamer and adult entertainer with nearly a million followers on Twitch, injured herself at TwitchCon. Um, You know, she's known for her, (laughs) most famous for the adult entertainment part of things, but on Twitch. She's known for her relatable gaming experiences and for having streams devoted to how long she can basically fail at a checkpoint at certain things or 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 kind of like her her fun as she's trying to get better and better. And she has a tendency to fall on her digital face and keep trying to overcome stuff. Uh, how, however, this time she's literally broken her back for uh, basically trying to have a good time at TwitchCon. She's one of several streamers who was injured uh, at the convention um, and one of several f- hurt just from falling or simply stepping off of what was the Lenovo face-off event platform 
which had this kind of American gladiator style podium um, in a foam pit that was supposed to be a fun activity for friends to do while looking for a break from the convention. The problem is it wasn't so much a pit as the laziest made thing in existence. Uh, from every picture that I've been able to see, um, it's like they just put foam blocks and I'm talking singular foam blocks. Now there's not a lot of depth to it on concrete with zero depth. Most foam pits that you've ever seen, they kind of, they're about, you know, several feet deep and loaded to the brim with tons of cushioning. Like, you know, think gymnastics facility, landing pit for kids, learning how to do backflips and tumble without injury and how to kind of land and learn their rotations. Right. Uh, Adriana and Locke Vanis were the most major injuries reported with Adriana needing literal back surgery to fuse and support her spine and Vanis dislocating her knee, which sounds unbelievably painful and spraining her ankle severely, uh, basically needing wheelchair help to kind of be mobile following uh, her trip to the hospital or emergency room. Uh, others at the convention were dis uh, have basically described back pain and difficulty walking after their own falls on this thing. And the beauty is that while people were warned about falling and not trying to be too rough, they had to sign waivers, waiving their liability, uh, waiving liability for any injuries, which would be, you know, kind of, that should be your first sign that things aren't great. You probably shouldn't participate if they're, I'm so worried about this thing that's supposed to be fun. They're making you sign away uh, any liability. These weren't even the only injuries at the convention, um, which is, again, this is these are physical massive injuries happening at a streamer convention. Uh, Zummers broke her ankle in a this like balloon contest thing, and you can kind of see the replay video on YouTube where she jumps over a chair or, or something resembling a chair and just breaks her ankle, which is brutal. Uh, you know, who would guess that there'd be NFL level injuries at a convention for streamers and people who sit in a chair for eight to 10 hours a day, several days a week. Uh, this is awesome PR to, for Twitch right, coming right after the pay split news. So the people that work in, in Twitch's public relations department must be having the most wonderful of times right now with all of the stuff they've got to take care of. Uh, but this is this was breathtaking. So the, easily the most interesting story of the of the week. Um, so that's our news. Uh, after the break, I have basically had enough time to really dive into Total War Warhammer 3, the Immortal Empires beta. And I've got concerns. I've got a lot of positives, tons of positives. Right. But I have some major concerns and some major sources of frustration. Um, this doesn't seem like something that'll be high on their hot fix, which is kind of uh, the, the thing that I'm concerned about. The, the stuff that they're gonna patch and they're gonna prioritize first won't be these things that I find frustrating, but the stuff that I'm finding frustrating makes me not wanna play. And I think that's what's what's kind of interesting about this. I don't know if anybody else is having these issues and, and things I've tried to jump on the forums and I haven't seen it. So. Uh, after this break, we're going to talk about my hands-on time with Warhammer 3. Alrighty, so I'm officially 40 hours kind of played into Warhammer 3, which may not sound like much, but it's all exclusively in the Immortal Empire's beta realm. So... Uh, I didn't waste a moment in the single player or other modes. I bought the game and I literally didn't play a minute of it just waited for the immortal empires update that would be coming eventually because i'll be honest it's the only version of the game i play just like mortal empires in warhammer 2 i don't play the single player campaign i just don't 
see the point and I don't want to. So uh, needless to say, as a strategy game fan, I should love this game more than any that have come before it. This should be a slam dunk and I want to go over, you know, the pros and cons of what I'm experiencing so far and what I'm seeing publicly in the forums and, you know, streaming YouTuber world. The streaming numbers are about in line with games like this. It's not the most exciting watch. I, I will grant you all of that. It's not fun to watch other people play this um, for long stretches of time. And it's uh, usually people who play religiously that end up watching it. Cause again, you can go whole turns without ever fighting anybody because you've just simply got to move somewhere. Right. Uh, or get your armies into position. Think of, of, of streams mostly as a place for players to pick up new ways of doing things. Maybe you see something interesting and you want to try it. Uh, think kind of like, like with uh, Lord of total war who on YouTube, who provides some of the, uh, the best in-depth strategies and tips for players while also sharing, to the community of millions who watch his stuff. So um, where this game sees the most traction video-wise isn't with streaming, though. It's with YouTube clips and videos. Again, this is more of a uh, you-have-to-play-it-not-watch-it kind of game to enjoy, unlike other titles. So streaming numbers being mid to meh is not that surprising. Uh, I'm just shocked by the super low viewer numbers I see during peak times. Uh, the... Uh, other night, only 300 people were watching when, an when on average, they're in the thousands. And this is a, a game with a community in the high six to low seven figures. More people might play this game than some major and more generally well-known or well-famous titles, right? Uh, I've always wondered if this lack of general popularity on Twitch or uh, in other areas has affected the game's development in some way. Uh, each of the sequels of this series have gotten more casual-friendly uh, the most psychotic of us try to conquer the whole map in these Mortal Empires and Immortal Empires versions. Uh, but the small conditions and overall gameplay have favored more and more the casual players. I don't know if that's in hopes of gaining more traction with a casual player or for something else entirely. Uh, this isn't to say that you can't still have fun as someone who's played every title in their library. And you can still mess with the math to create the most random unbeatable armies that can conquer the globe. But... If you kind of have no idea of what you're doing, it can also be scaled down for you too. It just it's just that the level now, like of the base game, rather than it being a scaled down, uh, if you kind of want to have a major challenge, you now have to scale up. It doesn't start at scaled up and get harder to something scaled impossible. It starts at relatively easy and then can scale down even further and if you want a big time challenge you have to scale up um for those of you that listen and aren't familiar with this game uh or the total war series in general it's a, a military and economic strategy game that has been going strong for 22 years their first game focused on feudal japan with total war shogun and has moved from medieval europe to rome to attila the hun uh, Three Kingdoms period in China, offering up historically accurate military units and fun rock-paper-scissors combat where each unit can be powerful, but there's always a counter to everything to kind of keep things interesting and see how creative you can be with your armies. Uh, the series provides turn-based strategy elements and resource management with real-time tactical control, which is useful given um, how big armies can get and can get on screen, which, you know, I'll get into that a little later. Uh, but a majority of the game, uh, of their games in the Total War series are historically based military sims. They have delved into fantasy and mythology, and they do this 
better than anyone with the Warhammer series. Okay, Warhammer is a tabletop fantasy game. For those of you that uh, don't know, um, it is a tabletop uh, fantasy war game that has been around and updated for 40 years and is one of the most popular versions of this style of gaming in the world. Uh, the guys at Total War licensed the game to bring those table models that people have been playing for years to life. And three games later, we have just about every major faction represented to a degree. Obviously, it's not everything, but it's about as close as it can get realistically. Um, the Mortal Empires, and in the most recent case, Immortal Empires, follows the same premise as previous titles. There, there are small and major victory conditions. And then if you are so inclined, you can decide to conquer the entire map. Okay, so um, the way you play this game or this version is you try to meet these victory conditions. And then if you're still bored and you still want to try and finish the whole thing, you can try and conquer the whole map. Uh, the small conditions usually involve controlling a small amount of settlements while also defeating your direct rivals and eliminating them from the game. Because in the long run, that's kind of how this game works, right? You conquer territory, you build up your settlements, you provide these buildings, you boost up your economy. Uh, you make sure your population's happy in some regard with their version of happiness, whatever that is. Every every faction, every group is different. Your economy is different across all the different factions as well. Um, and you have direct rivals, people that are your direct enemy and, and people that you have to defeat. And then you've got surrounding armies as well. And so the small conditions generally say, hey, beat these two groups, maybe three groups, and then also conquer X number of land um, and make sure you hold your base or whatever. And then the long conditions require all those small conditions, right? And then making sure to control specific areas of importance to your faction that you choose and and and, and that uh, maybe chosen for you because it's like a historical importance or maybe there are more rivals than just those two that you had to beat. Now you need to go control all of that land too. Um, and so now instead of just some of your direct rivals, it's everybody. Um, should you be happy with either of those outcomes, right? The small victory conditions are, aren't easy. It's not a very small list. It, it's called small only because it's not the large one, right? But if you were happy with the small or the large and you want to finish, you can. You can pretty much end the game. You get the victory montage and victory message, yada, yada, and move on to the play again, start a new game, right? But if not, if neither the small nor the large victory conditions provide you with enough goal, the final thing you can do is essentially be the last faction standing. Um, there's kind of more to it, but that's the easiest way I can sum it up and and basically be the only person left. Um, 272 factions start out in Immortal Empires with 80 of them being playable with their own legendary unique lord. Basically think of general, right? It's a very specific legendary hero who fights in your, your battles and provides you with perks and buffs and all that other stuff fights combat maybe it's magic maybe it's melee maybe it's a combination but yeah you have this one dude who's your main general and who's your main faction leader right um now before we get into the weeds you make armies you make cities and you fight you research use diplomacy basically everything costs money or some level of currency like i said not everybody uses money vampires use souls um, and some groups need to manage food or other types of upkeep. Uh, so there's kind of like this basic premise of the game. You build, conquer, so build an army, conquer land, build buildings, control buildings, develop stuff, and then 
repeat, right? So you, you build your armies, you conquer land, you build more buildings, you level up the buildings, you build your economy and repeat. You keep going and you just kind of move like the plague and you just start taking more and more and more and more and more, right? Um, so size of the armies can be different. Certain factions have massive numbers. Certain factions are more monster dependent. So you have some armies that are you know, two, if you, if you're playing on max unit size, you're, you could have some armies where you're dealing with, uh, roughly 2000, 2,400, 3000 units, right. Facing an army of maybe 15 or 20 units because they have more monsters and monsters tend to be single units kind of thing. Right. So, um, the, the armies can be very unique, very, very specialized. They can be a lot of fun. And so they can also, but they can also be incredibly massive. And so one of the things you have to do is you have to take care of that as well. There's this, there's a whole lot of upkeep and babysitting and managing in this game. There's a lot of micro to go with the macro of what the general process is. Okay. So now that we know who's watching and which is not many, and we know what's what it's doing for viewership and the basic premise of the game. What am I experiencing from it so far? Because again, the basic premise is uh, build your army, conquer, build your territory, expand, control, move forward, right? Just repeat it. Um, so the main word I would use so far with my 40 plus hours, getting close to 50, is frustration. Uh, I tend to favor factions that are more medieval in tactics than others so uh i'm like a half elf high elf sorry not half elf high elf spear line with archers and heroes or i like to play dwarven artillery with heavy front line heavy ranged for max damage um since my units those units tend to be tanky or i'll play as the empire with carl franz and make a standard medieval army halberds cavalry muskets you, you know maybe occasional artillery fire um, the fighting not had, has not been an issue. Like I said, there are some positives to this. Um, and I've experienced zero issues with combat. I know there are bugs. Um, they have happened to me, but they're negligible. They're not even, they're not remotely disruptive to my gameplay and experience and enjoyment. Um, combat has been smooth, even when there are thousands of units on screen with massive detail into the, the territory and the map. Uh, I've experienced zero letdown, even with high to ultra level graphics and max unit sizes. Uh, the countering and placement and strategy with combat, I think is better than ever. The AI enemy AI is dumber, but on harder difficulties, it tends to be smarter. Um, optimization has done this game well, and the bread and butter of the game that draws many of us to it has been great because that's one of the biggest draws of this game. And this is what I was talking about when I say I'd get to it in a little bit. One of the main draws of this, the, there are a ton of places, games, you can play Age of Empires if all you want to do is upgrade buildings and, and build an economy um, and build resources. The biggest draw and the most fun of this game is the combat. You're fighting armies in, in the thousands of units and setting them up and trying to build and find these all these unique ways to win, funny ways to win, um, seeing if you can be the most efficient can you create a, a demon horde or what they call a doom stack, uh, a doom stack where it's 20 units and it's a very like specific thing, right? So you're trying to make this army that is impossible to beat and it's a very specific kind of thing. So for example, um, if you are making, uh, if you're playing as the high elves, they have a, uh, the sisters of Averlorn, which are very powerful archer units 
who shoot magical arrows at great range for maximum damage. And they're also fast and they're also capable of fighting in melee if they ever had to. So they're very good all around unit, but their biggest thing is that they have a very high damage, high accurate uh, ranged weapon that can just let them wail on people and completely nuke certain units quickly. Like you can watch them literally shred units. And if you put your units into uh, a certain formation you can actually watch as units retreat back and then the next line is they're still shooting and then you, you basically have created this mobile artillery platform that is just nuking enemy armies um, and so there's a lot of fun ways to customize these armies to have really interesting battles that's not an issue it's the best combat they've ever had bugs aside again there are certain things where the math because of the coding has made certain magic spells too powerful but they easily fix those things okay uh the challenge of scaling with difficulty is appropriate and the units and perks and debuffs spells you know they, they really everything couldn't be better and yet i imagine it still will get better given that it's still in beta where my issues with the game have showed up and made me frustrated has been pretty much everything else okay so uh the first major or the first and most major thing is movement needs to be scaled up quickly this map is massive, um, basically the whole map that you can conquer. The world map is the full map from Warhammer 2 with more added to it to, because of the addition of the true Norska faction. And you are adding Grand Cathay and the Ogres, which are two brand new factions, which means you have to provide their facilities. Like where are they from, which meant you have to increase the size um, based on what, uh, what's been told through articles and things that you can pick up. It's twice the size of the previous map. The problem is movement hasn't been increased by that same scale. They say they've doubled it, but it's not a direct one-to-one -one comparison. So, you know, you're taking, it's still taking three to four times as long to get across the same distances. Uh, they, they have this thing called the sea lanes, right? It allows for circumnavigation through, through the oceans, which if the oceans provided massive, this massive travel would be great, but the majority of the water is located in the interior of this map, right? It's not like I'm just taking a left out of California to go to China. There's it's it's this thing where it takes you across the map, great, but now I've ended up in Beijing and still have to get to something as far as Paris, France by foot. Okay, it doesn't actually help me get there any faster, right? There's no point to using it. Um, remember, uh, this is uh, the, the sea lines are great, so right, but 90% of the map is land. Okay, it's awesome that I can go to one edge of the map and up on the other. The problem is everything I need to conquer is located on the interior of the prime continent. Okay, so the, the continent, the map, for those of you that don't know it, it, it kind of basically, you have this prime major Pangea type continent. It's connected by this ice shelf up north, um, which then comes down to like this weird looking um, mountainous area into a tropical jungle land. On the side, there's a there's a donut in the middle of the ocean, which is where the high elves are. And then there's this uh, territory in the south that's kind of like an Antarctic-looking kind of place, but there's no Arctic. It's basically an Antarctica, but if Antarctica was volcanic desert ruins kind of place, right? And so that's the whole map. But everything you need to do isn't on the water. So it doesn't really matter that I can go across the water to get to another place on the map. It doesn't help. It, it's utterly useless it's it's a it's it's a hat on a hat you know remember there are 272 factions at the start of every round and only 80 are playable so 192 npc factions 
not counting pirates and other AI-generated armies, all have territory. For those 272 factions, there are currently 533 regions. When you start, some of people start with one region, some of you start some people start with two or three, but essentially of those 272, 533 regions, which outside of the elf donut are all located on one giant ass continent connected by an ocean and a ice shelf or an ice shelf up north. Um, if I haven't emphasized it enough, this map is massive and it, which is great, but also a problem traversing the map, especially since there are movement penalties over certain topography. There are movement penalties. If certain buildings are made, um, there are movement penalties, like I said, topography. So like if certain mountains or rivers, uh, certain swamps, certain territories that make it hard to travel, kind of makes everything a slog, right? There are movement, you, you, you have, if you're in a mountain area and you've also built a uh, building that hinders movement and ha provides movement penalties for enemy armies and you enter a army's ter that territory, what might take you two turns is now going to take you four or five. Even with maxed out movement perks and buildings to increase movement like the paved robes and uh, roads that the Empire has within uh, uh, their buildings, right? Perk. There's no there's no easy expansion. There's no easy movement. This is a universe with literal magic, monsters, flying creatures. Hell, half the the legendary generals are on some flying creature mount, and yet armies are barely able to move from one location to the next, assuming there are no movement penalties. I understand the counter-argument of this, being that AI armies or player armies playing multiplayer could steamroll potentially or too easily moving from point to point, but I should not need 500 turns to conquer half a map, or at least that's what it feels like. Maybe it's not, but I've got 100 turns into this one match and it's, it feels that way. Um, the mid-game is such a slog that it stops being fun to play, and I've lost interest in too many things where I'm a top five faction in terms of power and wealth. I'm not going to get beaten except by the most powerful of, of groups in this, this, this thing that I'm playing against the AI. I am an incredibly strong empire, and I just don't care. Like I, I've stopped because I just don't want to do all the work it's going to take to get somewhere else. And guys, I haven't even gotten to the slow, small victory condition yet. Or in, in uh, you know the high elf, I'll, I'll use the high elf in a little bit as an example, but I haven't even gotten to the small victory condition yet, and I'm 80 turns in, and I should already be pretty close to it. Um, anyway, speaking of 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 wealth, right? Um, the biggest key to being able to snowball and 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 steamroll people and build armies is a strong, healthy snowballing economy. In Warhammer, it was easy with the right buildings and perks and heroes. Um, to be making tens of thousands of currency a turn, which only got higher as you slowly but surely reduce the cost of armies with uh, tech research or maybe a general's abilities. Uh, so far in my experience, the snowballing of the economy is tough. Uh, I've been able to do it with the high elves, but the amount of diplomacy and alliances and territories needed has been staggering for what is modest wealth. Uh, so far, there is uh, there is uh, is the only empire I've been able to do this with, really. Uh, and be able to get into the five figures per turn, but it's low five figures. We're just over 10,000 a turn, uh, which may seem like a lot, but when the majority of the tier four and five buildings where the best gear, the best perks, and best everything is located costs anywhere from nine to 15,000 of whatever your currency is, you basically have to eat your entire income to build one building a turn. Remember, this is an empire building and conquering like land type game you need to go conquer stuff 
And every time I conquer territory, if I can only make one building better because I can only afford that because I'm not able to steamroll an economy, there's kind of the issue. You just, you end up being stuck in place, right? You, you, I understand that they don't want us being able to immediately get to tier four, tier five, but why are we being penalized as players for figuring out the math and scooting past that, right? Um, in Warhammer 2, this was never the case. You could balloon your economy in a hurry. Um, the economic issues aren't even so much about buildings, right? Because yes, while the most elite and top tier uh, units for armies cost a ton of currency to have their building created, right? So, you know, you could, it could be anywhere from 7,500 to, to, again, 12,000, 15,000 to build one building in one place, uh, one location. Um, it's the armies themselves that are the real source of expense for someone like me, a player like me. So a high elf army, uh, like I said, in that one group that I'm, uh, one game that I'm playing right now, one save, uh, high elf army can cost roughly eighteen hundred to three thousand currency a, a turn, right? As upkeep, uh, eight armies means sixteen thousand to twenty four hundred a turn just to field a moderate amount of armies. Eight armies is not a lot. It may seem like a lot, but eight armies on a map this big is it, it's from what I'm I can tell you right now. I'm playing it and I feel under because the whole world hates me. When once you get to a certain point of power, everyone wants to fight you and everyone that's uh the opposite of whatever your spectrum is. So if you are someone who's on the neat evil side of things, well all the good armies to good factions declare war on you. If you're someone who's a high elf who's more into the justice and all that kind of junk, well guess what? All the chaos people and all the evil people want to fight you. And so eight armies isn't a lot when the whole world is trying to kill you. And you end up spread thin very quickly, and you end up isolated very quickly. Um, and so you've got these, you got all the, you got these armies. You need to pay all this money a turn to, to field it. Um, in a smaller map, eight armies could be all you need. Like if you're playing Warhammer One, even Warhammer Two, eight armies would be enough to really kind of flood over the world and start taking things from everyone. Okay, but in a map that's literally twice the size of the previous game and double the total territories available to conquer, assuming you could march from one location to the next, which you can't, by the way, each army would need to conquer individually 70 territories apiece, which could take hundreds of turns to realistically achieve on a normal to moderately hard difficulty. Could be hundreds of turns uh, more than that on Legendary. And I'm a diehard fan of this series, but in order to put that much time into it, it would take me six months to finish a playthrough. Like to logis logistically, I mean, it's the biggest issues I have with this game is that it takes me forever to get anywhere. And anybody who's listening to this says, well, you just don't have the right heroes. You don't have the right this. You don't have the right that. I do. I have all the heroes that expand your your ability to move in, on campaign. I have all the perks that m increase my movement range. I have the buildings that if you start in this territory, when you start moving, you get the expanded movement. But as soon as you leave that territory, you don't have that perk anymore. And like I said, this is twice the size without a matching number of... like I should be able to move much further. I'm talking... It, it shouldn't just be able to be one location to the next one building to one 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 uh town to one town um for, it should be able to go from almost one settlement to another settlement area um and just move it, these aren't real people i'm not dealing with a historically accurate type of movement i'm dealing with fantasy worlds uh, monsters that don't exist i've got entire armies 
of people on hippogriffs flying in the air, Pegasus knights flying in the air, and yet we are walking here as if we are taking two steps forward, one step back to get anywhere, even though every unit in my army is flying, okay, under magical uh, stuff. I've, I've had vampire armies where I've made entire, uh, what are called uh, wraiths, essentially. So they are ghosts, but apparently the ghosts get tired and have to walk slow to get anywhere, right? It doesn't make any sense that I should have to struggle this much just to travel. And as far as the economy goes, if you're going to make the building so damn expensive, then you should make it a little easier to snowball my economy and to really do it. Now, maybe I'm not doing it well. Maybe that part I am not. I haven't figured out a trick to it yet. It took a lot to figure out a trick with, with the high elves. And I still don't think I'm 100% there. But it's taken a lot of work. I have to have alliances that I didn't think I would have. And actual full alliances dip diplomatically. Um, and it, it's just frustratingly slow. It shouldn't be. And it's so god frustrating. Just, just so darn frustrating. It's amazing. And... You know, the problem is overall the game fun the game is still fun. Like it's still engaging. It's still a ton of, uh, of fun for me, but it wears thin quickly. So, you know, that's kind of a problem, right? The core elements of the combat and for the most part, the world building are great. Every new addition and every change they've made to building your settlements up, to managing your, your, your economy in general, to uh, all the things you need to do to control your area, not let corruption or not let other stuff influence your area. Fantastic. They've made significant, massive, awesome changes to that that have made it much more fun to play in that regard. But the slow build of an economy and the slow travel on the continent is incredibly frustrating. Uh, the High Elf campaign has eight armies. I'm 100 turns in, and I haven't even gotten the small victory yet. It'll probably be another couple turns. I might take another 10, 12 turns, because the one thing I need to go conquer is being conquered by one of my buddies, one of my allies. All right? They're doing it slowly. The AI is doing it slowly, but the problem is they're sieging all these things, and I can't go fight. Like right, If, if someone else is sieging a location, you can't go fight them. Right, you can join the siege and hope they initiate it, but if they don't, you're, then your army's just standing around. And there's one faction left. I've conquered enough territory, but there's one faction left that I can't can't go fight myself. And but I'm also at war with all 15 factions north of that one location, so I can't just send my army south, or else I'm gonna have undefended locations. And it, there, this is kind of what I'm talking about. Right? I can't get the economy necessary to get a 12, 15, 20 army group, even though I have more than enough territories, more than enough stuff to be able to do that. I can't snowball the economy because it's going to cost another 2,400 to build that army. Well, now my 10,000 a turn is already down to 7,600 and I haven't conquered enough stuff to boost it back. I'm constantly in this battle to get it back up to 10, 15, 20,000 and it never happens because I need to make another army because I don't have enough. I've conquered too much land. I've conquered this. And I don't even have the basic victory condition, right? The the very bare minimum victory condition, I don't have it. And that's a problem. Um, that's enough for even a, a fan like me. And I've, I'm telling you, I've got nearly every one of these games that will run on my PC. And I could probably download the rest on GOG or Steam that have optimization and would allow me to play them. Um 
I've spent hours playing these games. Okay. Um, but it's enough for me to just stop playing for long periods of time, you know, which a series like this can't afford for hardcore players to just stop or get frustrated and take away their concurrent numbers. Uh, I'm constantly choosing to play on lower difficulties simply because the economy of movement and battle gets so much less complex, uh, simply because the game plays faster than I am to rather than I want to for going for a challenge on the upper levels that I know I can handle, but it's so slow. It's so mind numbingly slow. Um, the rose colored glasses are off and you know, that initial joy that I felt that I talked about a couple uh, weeks ago, several shows ago. Um, and I can actually look at this objectively and um, it, 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 the game's a solid seven and a half, eight, honestly, it's a, it's, it's slightly above average. It's not great. Um, it should be a nine and a half. This should be the easily the best title they've ever produced, including their historically accurate ones. Right. Um, the stuff that they took for diplomacy from Attila and three kingdoms and plugged into this game have been fantastic. Okay. They've, they've literally rounded out all the flaws that it has, but somehow left some very glaring ones. And so a game that should be a nine and a half or a 10 out of 10 is, is a seven is somewhere between a seven and an eight. It sucks that anybody who plays this can see that there's this gem hidden, right? And unfortunately they need to dig and kind of clean it up and they need to still polish it and they still need to do all these things. And it's frustrating. I guess that again, it's the only word I had for it. It's very frustrating. And I, I just hope that the major hot fixes and patches that they get, that they are trying to do to make sure the game runs smooth, get done and get out of the way so that they can then figure this out and do this as well. Um, this doesn't even seem to be a topic on the forums and I'm surprised that I'm the only person that thinks we move too slow. So, um, maybe there's something that I'm genuinely doing wrong and I should just go into the forums and get ready to be told about how terrible I am. And this, how could you, how could you as an idiot not realize you need to do this? But, um, I just hope all of this gets fixed because again, this is easily the best game they've ever produced period. I mean, I'm talking even, even Rome to even uh, Attila, this is their best game they've ever produced, but it has these things that make it frustrating and that I just don't want to play. And that is annoying because I love this franchise. All right. So that brings uh, today's show to a close, uh, this week's show to a close, really. And I want to thank you all for listening. As always, I've got, I've got, a handful of followers, uh, listeners every week. And I really appreciate y'all. Uh, love y'all. And I hope you continue to join me every week. Uh, be sure to like, and subscribe, uh, wherever it is that you found this, um, or, you know, or don't, I'm not your parents. I'm just a dad and his PC. 